culture comms and cocktails is internal comms served straight up. So settle in, drink in the knowledge, some shaken, some stirred, and maybe even some with a twist, and enjoy the top shelf guests I have lined up for you. I'm your host, Chuck Ghost, strategic advisor at Social Chorus, and on this episode of Culture Comms and Cocktails, we have Lindsay Williams, not only a friend of mine, but also, more importantly, the Director of Digital Communications at Accent Care. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Chuck. I'm so excited. I could potentially be at a loss for words, but um, we know that's not ever going to happen. I was just going to say that's probably the first time, if that is true, that's the first time that would have happened. Let's get started. I want to make a bridge from the previous episode, and on that we talked about a recent merger that J.C. Breeze, the communicator at Evergy, went through. But at Accent Care, because M&A is a, is a big topic, at Accent Care, you guys seem to be more in acquisition mode quite a bit, which is a little different than mergers. Uh, what do you see is the communicator's role during this time of acquisition? Absolutely, Chuck. You know, in the past six years since our CEO has been with Accent Care, we've doubled in size. It's both organically, but a lot through acquisition. So we've gone from about 12,000 employees to 25,000 employees. And whenever we look at an acquisition as communicators, we don't want to look at what's the message as our first duty. Our first duty is to look at who the audience is and understand them. That's number one in my in my world for communications. And so whenever we look at the audience of employees who have recently been acquired, for us, it's clinicians, it's administrators, it's operators, it's professionals who have potentially had their entire career with the same home health company that we just acquired. And so for them, they've just received news that they've been acquired and they go from working for a company that they love and they know everything about, they have a deeply seated culture to being acquired by Accent Care, who they've potentially never heard of. And so as a communicator, we have to understand the uncertainty and the unease and the, the change that they're having to process in their mind. And once they understand that, we can then start looking at the message. And we have to know that everything is going to be overwhelming if it's all at once. And so as communicators, it's our role to work with all the different stakeholders to take the information that these new employees need, simplify it, and give them snackable pieces of information that are not only going to help them be successful with accent care, but that are also going to help them understand the culture. And so that's where we really get to hone in on our skills as communicators is understanding the people first. And here at Accent Care, one of the most recent acquisitions we've had is Steward Home Health and Hospice up in the Northeast. And recently we had three of their executive directors who are over their location. So they're leaders, right, in their organization. And they were here in Dallas for training. And I had the opportunity to meet with them and introduce them to the way we communicate here at Accent Care, which is relatively new that we've introduced. And it's a mobile app for employee communications called Accent Care Today or the ACT app. And I said, you know, this is Accent Care Today. And if you're in Accent Care Today, we're going to help prepare you for tomorrow. And we had an opportunity to get these leaders on the app. And we have a channel that's just for those steward employees that's filled with pictures of the road shows that our employees have done up in uh, in Stewart and in Boston, but also has the operational and clinical information they need to be successful now that they're with Accent Care. And so we got the leaders on the app and one of them grabbed her phone and she's a native Bostonian and she hugged it and she goes, I just love y'all. 
And it was really cool to see that we were able to understand what they've been going through and put that information out and the connection it had because we had a Bostonian saying y'all by the end of it. Um, and it was really, really cool to have that and see that come to life once we took the time to understand what it was they needed and who they are as people. I'm glad you clarified that because I was going to ask, did the, did the Bostonian actually use the word y'all? And, and they did. did, which shows the excitement. Right? Everybody, <laughs> yes. Secretly, everybody wants to be a little bit Southern or Texan. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm partial, but I think that is 100% the truth. And thinking back to some of the re- recent acquisitions, even the one that, that you just described, has this been a boon to the culture at Accent Care, or has it been a bit of a strain? Because I know it is stressful on both sides, both the acquiree and the acquirer. How has this impacted the culture there at the company? You know, that's a great question. And I don't want to dismiss the fact that, yes, there's a strain, but that's where, as communicators, we have to step in and say, okay, let's help ease that. And so ultimately, it's been a boon for us um, in a couple of different ways. With each company that we've acquired, they they all have a very unique, strong culture, which is wonderful. And so we're able to take the pieces of their culture that make them who they are and make them a strong company. And really the reason we acquired them is because they're a strong company and we want to add that to what we already have. And so with each one, we've gotten a little bit stronger and it's been really cool to see how Accent Care has built and evolved based on the companies we've acquired. For instance, Texas Home Health was one of our acquisitions a few years back. Accent Care as a whole is just celebrated its 20 year anniversary. But because of our acquisition with Texas Home Health, we have more than 50 years of experience. And that's a powerful thing to be able to bring to the table in home health. We had another acquisition in Mississippi with Stay Home, Home Health and Hospice. And they had a very strong culture of transparency with their communication. They they used a lot of video and technology and the way that they communicated with their employees. So we've been able to take pages from their playbook and reuse them at Accent Care to make us stronger and build our culture. And it's been a really cool evolution to see what each company we acquire brings to the table to make us a whole. Yeah, I remember when I was on site there with you and the team and uh, people kept referring to the SIP. And it did take me yes. a while to figure out that was, that was the employees from, from Mississippi. Um, and you know, the SIP has really taken on a life of its own on our mobile app. And it's incredible to see how they've shaped other regions with the things that they're doing because they're so comfortable communicating. They're getting our other regions comfortable with it by seeing, oh, that's what Mississippi is doing. We, we're comfortable doing that in Texas now. So it's really great to see how their culture continues to shape um, accent care as a whole. And that's great that they then can can also lead in their own ways. Um, and speaking of leading, this is your second go round with Social Chorus and launching a new internal comms platform. You did it as a previous employer, now with Accent Care. What did you learn the first time uh, that you then added to uh, your, your next experience, this most recent experience with Accent Care? What lessons did you learn that you didn't have to relearn the second time around? Great question. Um, There are a lot of lessons learned, but one of the biggest things that I learned, and I think it'll come out to be two lessons learned, is first, nothing is impossible. My previous employer, we launched our app in 28 days. We had an incredible partnership with um, Social Chorus, and because it was such an accelerated timeline to launch, 
we didn't do a pilot and that scared some people, but we had to be okay with it. We had to trust our employees. That's one thing that we really learned that I learned there was to trust employees and let it take on a life of its own. If you don't trust your employees, how are you ever going to have a strong, deep connection with them? The other thing is we didn't know what to expect. And whenever we trust our employees, we ended up being blown away by how well received they were, uh, how much they were. They ended up really surprising us by taking on a life of their own within the app and really building culture even further. So at Accent Care, one of the things I was most excited about is that we didn't have an accelerated timeline to launch our app. We had the time to do a pilot, really narrow it down, put it, you know, be strategic about the way that we put it out there and give our executive directors at the local level the ability to communicate through the app using the back end of the system. But that takes time. And that pilot was really taking time to shape up. And people just kept coming to me and saying, is, is ACT ready yet? Is it ready? Can, can we use it for this? And everybody had a use case. And I, I felt that fuel and the hunger and everybody was excited. And I said, you know what? I didn't do a pilot at Dental One. It doesn't have, it's not impossible. And I don't want to let perfection with a pilot get in the way of connection. And so having that experience previously and bringing it to Accent Care, I was able to say, forget it. We don't need to have it perfect with the pilot. Let's put it out there. Let's connect and then we'll perfect. And it's been so incredible to see how striking while the iron is hot, people already understood what the use cases were. Why was I trying to make it perfect and, you know, really get it local? We can get that local after we have it out there. So it's been really incredible to see the connection that's come together and we're still perfecting it on the back end. But because the technology is so agile, we've been able to really meet the needs of the organization on a whole new level. It's such a great point you bring up about perfection, because that is something that I don't want to label all communicators struggle with it, but there is this, <laughs> there is this expectation of things being perfect. So that, I think that is a wonderful lesson to communicators out there, because th- there's always that fear of hitting send. There's always that fear Absolutely. of something not being quite right. But that's where a lot of the things we talk about with people is where B plus is better than A plus. That B plus yeah. means usually getting out there, it's letting people experience it, and it's getting the feedback. You know, and you could argue, is it ever perfect? Probably not. Maybe should it ever be perfect? Probably not. Um, but that's honestly, Lindsay, that that is a great lesson for communicators out there is it doesn't have to be perfect. Absolutely. I'm guilty as charged. I think that we can edit to the point of it just being too sterile. And really, if you get it perfect, is it going to be relatable? Probably not. And so if you just let it ride, you you allow people to be themselves. And I think that that's what's the most important thing when it comes to communicating, because everything we do as communicators is so public and so visible. We do get caught up with it being perfect. And instead, let's just step back and let our employees take charge because what they're putting out there is their quick little snackable bit of here's what's happening now. Cool. Let's do, let's be, let's be more like them rather than trying to perfect. Yeah. That one piece of advice I'd like to share with communicators. Sometimes you just have to get the hell out of the way. Right. Let, let the organization do what it wants to do. And that leads to my next question. Cause I'm, you know, one thing that I think communicators should struggle with 
is balancing what employees want and what the business needs. And ideally you would think in corporate culture that those things are the same and oftentimes they are not. So what do you think, or what's the best way to create content or balance content that can satisfy both? What, because if employees are in a platform and they see things they want, that's a win. If the business has needs, things they have to tell the employees, that's a win. What's the type of content you've seen that really works um, inside those platforms? Absolutely, great question. And this is one that I could go back and forth on and I really wanna give you two answers. What employees want are to feel connected. And what the business wants is for employees to know, of course, the correct processes and procedures. What are deadlines for annual enrollment? Things like that. But what I've found is the perfect blend, and again, it's never perfect because you, you have to shake it up every now and then, is getting employees involved with what you're communicating. So employees want to be motivated and they want to be rewarded. And the business wants to help drive certain behaviors. So the perfect blend of um, content comes whenever you're able to do maybe a competition or a leaderboard around an operational process and get the employees involved with that. And then if you can throw a video in the mix to motivate, you have a really nice solid blend of a culture and a connection with operational processes being driven by that communication. Well, Lindsay, again, I appreciate your advice. You know, again, my takeaway, and you and I have had many conversations, is this idea around perfection. It has my head spinning around ways that we can maybe get communicators not to focus so long on, on being or being hung up on being perfect right. and, and teaching them that things are are good enough. But so the podcast is called Culture, Comms, and Cocktails. We've talked a little bit about culture and comms. We left the, the really fun part at the end. Before we get to cocktails, though, I do have a very personal question for you, Lindsay. Being Absolutely. in Dallas, being in Dallas, I know you've attended some Mavericks games uh, in your lifetime. When Dirk's retirement speech, did you cry? 100% as did every man in that stadium. It was <laughs> um, powerful. I had chills and I thought back through every single game I've ever been to the 2011 championship. It was one of the most powerful moments in sports. I, I was thinking I about like it as it as it happens. We don't we think about athletes as athletes. We don't think about them as employees. But when you think right. about Dirk Nowitzki, and obviously he spent his entire career there, what an amazing obviously player and athlete he is. So you tell as a contributor, but also as an ambassador for uh, the organization and the city. Uh, it was also cool to then see, I guess you'd say, competitive businesses, other teams out there embrace what he gave and that was just so cool and it, you being a local person i just was curious what your takeaway was on that no it was absolutely incredible and it is true you know you think about his loyalty to dallas and the team but then you think about how loyal the team has been to him and what mark cuban has poured into him as an employee so to speak of the dallas mavericks and it's really incredible to see what has come out of that and his career is something that here in Dallas, people are still talking about it. He was at the Stars game the other night, the first playoff game that we were at. Um, Dirk was there. So he's slowly making his rounds to every sporting event here in Dallas now that he has a little bit of time off and his legacy continues to live on. It's really, really incredible. 
Well, thanks for indulging me in that because it was something I was curious about. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. But to close out on the cocktail, we've had some really great uh, cocktail recommendations here on the podcast. So I'm curious, Lindsay Williams, what is your favorite cocktail? All right. My favorite cocktail does not currently have a name, but it is one called the Bartender's Choice. And of course, I'm bringing it home to Texas, Fredericksburg, Texas, that is. There is a distillery called Elk Distillery and Winery and the Elk Store in downtown Fredericksburg. And they combine two of my three favorites, which are gin and red wine. And I know you're a gin fan as well. So I have a bottle I'm saving for you. But the cocktail is a gin martini, two ounces of gin, an ounce of lime juice, and half an ounce of simple syrup shaken. And then you take a spoon, turn it upside down, and do a red wine floater on top. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm in. It's, it's phenomenal. Now, is this, um, a, yeah. is this a, a spring drink? Is it a summer drink? Is it a, just an all-seasons because it's delicious beverage? You could definitely do it all seasons. I would say it's a transitional beverage going from red wine comfort of the cold winter into the spring summer cocktail. Yep. I count that in all seasons. That's a, that is an awesome <laughs> thing. For people who don't know where Fredericksburg is, give us some Texas geography context here. Ooh, it is about an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half outside of Austin. Okay. Amazing recommendation, Lindsay. Also, thank you again for your insights, your knowledge, your sharing, and uh, obviously being a great representative of the internal comms industry. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chuck. This was a blast. If you enjoyed what you heard from this episode and want to check out others, find Culture Comms and Cocktails on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And when you do, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. This has been Culture Comms and Cocktails, internal comms served straight up. Thanks for listening.